We are uh, talking about discipleship today. And I want to start by just sharing a story with you. When I was in college, uh, I lived in an apartment and had some roommates. We wanted to create some, a sense of community in our apartment complex. And so there was one Saturday we decided we were going to go around and invite a bunch of our neighbors to watch a UT game with us. It was an away game, uh, so we were watching it in our apartment. And so we knocked on a few doors, talked to a few people. I think one or two people said yes. But one of the people uh, that we asked, the conversation just sticks with me. And so we, at, we knocked on the door of some German international students. And so their English was okay, um, and they were here at UT for a year studying. Um, they lived in Germany prior to that. And, and when we asked them, do you want to come over? We'll even teach you kind of what American football looks like and how it works. Their response was so fascinating. They said oh no, I'm sorry, we can't come over. We are learning right now. I said, learning? That's interesting. What are you learning? He said, you know, studying. I said, oh. And then it hit me. I have studied a lot to make a grade, to pass a class, to get a diploma. But not all of that involved intentional learning. Do you see what I mean? Is it possible that most of us, as we're going through school, we study because we have to, because we're told we need to do that, but that doesn't always result in an increased learning, right? And I wonder if there's something similar about that for the Christian life. I wonder if sometimes we can do the Christian motions. We can go to church. We can serve others. We can put on our Christian front, dress up for church even, we look like we are living it right. I wonder if it's possible to do those things and to miss out on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Is it possible that we could look like we're doing all the right things, but we would be stagnating in our discipleship? I think it is. I think it's possible. And really, I think it happens to all of us. I think it happens all the time. And so today we're talking about a theology of discipleship, um, partly because we know this happens to us. We know we need to be reminded, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Does it mean we come to church uh, once a week or a couple times a month? Or is there something more to it than that? And then once we figure out what, that, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, we're going to ask the question, how can we live into this right now? So will you pray with me while, while we get started? God, I thank you that you are with us right now. I thank you that you know each of our hearts, you know where we are, and you love us, and you accept us, and you invite us to more. More of you, more of what it looks like to walk in your steps. Come and show us today what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Come and show us not just what it means, but show us how we can each take steps into that whether it's back into that after a period of stagnation or whether it's into it for the first time, we pray that you would be with us, that you would show us something in your word that we can put to use in our lives today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you, God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're going to let the Apostle Paul teach us today. Uh, I'm going to read some verses from Philippians 3. And this is really a, a part in Philippians where Paul is recounting kind of how he came into a relationship with God, how he became a Christian. And we're going to pick it up right when he starts talking about 
kind of the goal of his Christian life. And he says, he says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. There's some things in here that Paul shows us about what it means to be a disciple. And the first thing we see, he says that I may know him. The word know, he's not saying that he wants to know about Jesus, but he wants to know Jesus in a relationship. He doesn't want to just know Bible stories by reading the Bible. He wants to read Bible stories. He wants to know the stories of Jesus so he can come to know Jesus personally. Uh, there was one commentary I was reading, and it said that this knows, that gnosis, it's closer to saying something like understanding through experiencing. That's what he means when he says he wants to know Jesus. And so my wife, her name is Tracy. Um, she uh, has been married to me about six years. She has brown hair. She's beautiful. She's a night owl, not a morning person. She loves to dance. Um, she's a phenomenal mother to our kids. She's in the prayer ministry here. I could tell you uh, more and more and more things about Tracy, but unless you are in a relationship with her, unless you uh, know her, you wouldn't say that you know her. You might say, well, Thomas told me about his wife, so I know about her a little bit. Uh, but, but if you have a relationship with Tracy, you could say, I know Tracy. And that's the same thing Paul's getting at, is he doesn't just want to know about Jesus. He wants to know Jesus. And for us, being a disciple, the beginning of being a disciple is it's a relationship with Jesus. We don't just know about him, but we have a relationship. There's back and forth. The next thing he shows us in this, um, Paul says that he wants to become like Jesus. Uh, the words he uses, he says, that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul's saying he wants to become like Jesus in his resurrection. He knows that you can't become like Jesus in the resurrection unless you go through the way of the cross. The emptying yourself. As Jesus went to the cross, he emptied himself. He had to let go of the things that he wanted to hold on to so that he could take up God's way and really let God raise him up. What Paul is saying is that being a disciple is about becoming like Jesus. You know, this kind of gets to the root of the word disciple. The, the Greek word methetes, it actually means student or learner. But for us, you know, in our culture, we're so uh, knowledge-focused and information-driven. When we say student, we think of someone that's learning knowledge. To say the word disciple, it's really something closer to an apprenticeship. Right? So if I'm apprenticing someone, I'm learning from a master in a trade so that I can walk with them as they do it. I can learn from them. I can uh, become like them so that one day I might become a master also. That's what an apprenticeship looks like. And that's what it means to be a disciple. It doesn't just mean we know Jesus, but it means we are becoming like Jesus. Now, how does that happen? Well, we have to keep reading. So we're going to keep going in Paul's letter to the Philippians. He writes this, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, 
I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So Paul's painting a picture of the Christian life and how it looks for him. I love how confident he is in the the second to last verse. He basically says, uh, this is what real maturity is. And if you disagree with me, I'm just going to let God show you otherwise. I mean, he's really confident. And Paul likes to write in run-on sentences and use a lot of language. I'm going to try to pull out a few things here. The the first thing that we can see uh, is that becoming like Jesus is a process. It's a process. Paul says that he has not obtained this yet. He hasn't reached a point where he can stop becoming like Jesus, right? He hasn't graduated. He's not perfect yet. He really defines maturity as the person that is in process. That's what maturity looks like. I had a a friend here at Bethany talk to me earlier this week, and they used the perfect analogy. They said being a disciple is not like being a lake. It's like being a river, so a lake is, is designed to hold water. It's designed for capacity. And once it reaches the top, once it's full, we don't need any more water to come into that lake, right? I know that never really happens anymore with our lakes, but that's how a lake works. But a river, a river constantly needs new water flowing through it. Otherwise, it stops being a river. It, it will slow to a trickle. It will become a series of disconnected, stagnant ponds that aren't really good for anything. If a river's gonna keep being a river, water's gotta keep coming through it. And as a disciple, we aren't here so we can get filled up and get to a certain level and say, all right, God, I'm done. I've arrived, so I can just sit back now and uh, watch all the other people struggle to get to where I'm at. That that never happens, actually. Or it it might happen, uh, but the trick is that person's really not fooled, They're, they're fooling themselves. As disciples, we're called to constantly be growing. We're called to constantly have the Spirit of God moving through us to grow us. That kind of brings us to our second point. Reading out of Paul, uh, what he says about what it's like to become a disciple, he says, becoming like Jesus is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, you could read through that whole passage that we just read. Um, The most recent one was on the screen. Verses 12 through 16. There's actually, the word Holy Spirit isn't in there. And so where is Thomas getting this? Am I, am I making it up? Am I putting stuff in here? I'm actually, if you go back to the verses that we read first, he says he wants to know Jesus, but he also says he wants to know the power of the resurrection. And the power of the resurrection is where the Holy Spirit comes onto the scene. You see, there's this great verse that Paul also wrote. It's in uh, Romans 8, cha- uh, chapter 8, verse 11. And it says something to the effect of the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is the Holy Spirit that God puts in us when we start a relationship with Christ. And that same Holy Spirit that gave Jesus new life will also give us new life. And what Paul means in that is that we will get new life one day in eternity. We will also be able to be resurrected like Christ, and that's a good thing. But we're not just waiting for eternity for that new life. We get that new life right now. That new life starts as the Holy Spirit comes in and transforms our life. The Holy Spirit transforming our life is very different than uh, us changing our behavior so we can look really Christian. I mean, I know that if you grew up in church, you probably learned how to do this really well. Um, and, And at some point, you just have to unlearn that. 
I think everyone gets to a point where they realize the stuff that's in here that they're struggling with, the stuff that's in here that they would rather hide from anyone else, that they can't hide it well enough, that you can't change yourself, and there's something greater that you need if you're really going to experience change. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. I find that, you know, in a lot of ways, I think we don't believe that God can transform us as much as he really can. I think that's part of why we we put up a good front. We try to make it look like our lives are fairly put together instead of going to God and pleading that he would transform us, that he would come into that part of our life. I made a list of some things um, in hopes that maybe this would just jar us a little bit and move us to a place of believing God can do more than we usually believe. You know, if you ask, what does God's transformation look like? Um, It is an inward change. It it, it changes the motivations and desires of your heart, but it always results in outward change that you can see. And so what does it look like? It, It looks like God taking the person that's worried and anxious and transforming them into someone who has a deep sense of peace. It looks like, some, like God taking the person that has anger problems and has a short temper, and God transforms them to be a person who is gentle, patient, and kind. It looks like God takes someone who hates their enemies and can't stand to be around people that think differently than them, and God transforms them to be someone that loves their enemies and is able to have a relationship with people even that have differing viewpoints. It looks like God coming into someone's life who has compulsive habits and addictive behaviors and transforms them to be free from those addictions and be able to have self-control because the Holy Spirit has done a work in their heart. It looks like God coming into people's lives who have a mentality of fear and scarcity and God transforms them to live with the confidence of God's love and provision. It looks like God coming into people's lives who need to be recognized and affirmed, like they need to get their worth from others. And God comes into those people's lives. He transforms them so they know that they are a child of God. And that is the root of their worth. It looks like God coming into our lives, moving us from a place of reading the Bible because we want to know the answers. Because it looks good when you know the answers. He transforms us so that we read the Bible because we want to know Jesus more. He moves us from a place of putting on our Christian front transforms us to being able to be vulnerable with God and with others so that he might continue to transform us. You know, if you are a disciple of Jesus, or if you want to be, you can expect that God is going to transform your life. You know, he loves you right where you're at, but he also loves you too much to let you stay there. And so I wonder this morning, where is God at work in your heart? Or where is he trying to be? Where is he pushing up against your life and saying... I would really like to, to take this and, and change it. I mean, a lot of times we, we don't take the time to even notice that. Uh, this kind of brings us to the next part of what Paul's saying, and this is a big part of what he writes. Um, he, he talked about a lot of things. He talks about uh, pressing on, about straining forward, about a goal. And what he's saying is that we have a part to play in this transformation process. Paul's using a racing uh, metaphor there. It's those same words that the Greeks would have used when they're talking about a foot race, um, like an athlete. I think part of what Paul's saying is he doesn't just want to start the race. Yes, I am a Christian. I know where I'm going one day. He wants to finish the race. He wants to keep walking that journey of transformation, of becoming like Jesus. 
And Paul says that he has a part to play. He says he has to press into it. He has to strain forward. He's talking about how he's doing stuff. But we have to make sure we don't misunderstand him. He's not saying that he's changing himself. Remember, the Holy Spirit is what changes us. We can't change ourselves. We can choose to respond to where the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. And it's that response that is our part to play. Um, In order to to respond, though, you have to know what God's doing in your life. So this is why our grow groups, those small groups that you might have heard about uh, that have started around Bethany, there's, there's, a, there's a, a dozen or so of them at this point, our grow groups, the, the only thing they do is they ask each other the question, how is your life with God this week? They don't study curriculum. They don't um, talk about the, the things they're learning as much as they talk about where is God at work in my heart And they have a few other people that can help them kind of decipher that so that maybe if they know where God's at work, then they can take that part of their life and say, all right, God, I want to respond. Here I am. Come and keep working in me. It's it's that knowing what God's doing, and then we get to respond by bringing ourselves back to God. That's our part to play in the transformation process. And that's when the Holy Spirit really starts to do a big work in us. So we have a fairly good definition of discipleship at this point. So I'll just go through it. Being a disciple starts with a relationship with Jesus. It's about being becoming like Jesus. And what that looks like is it's, it's a process. It takes a whole lifetime. We never arrive or graduate. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not us just changing our behavior or trying to change ourselves. But it's God at work in us, changing us at a heart level. And we have a part to play. And this is a pretty good definition of discipleship. But there's one thing that we're missing, and Paul talks about it in the very next verse. So we're going to read that one other verse and and see what Paul says to us in this. In verse 17, he says, Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. See, Paul is saying that becoming like Jesus happens when we're in relationships with other people. For Paul and the Philippians, he's telling them that he wants to be a model for them so they can look at him and know what it looks like for someone to be on that journey. But that's not enough, right? He tells them they need to look around them and see who are the other people who can be a model for me. There's a great verse in Hebrews that I think adds to our understanding of this. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That don't neglect to meet together makes me feel like he wrote that just for us in our 21st century American Christianity, where we're so busy that it's it's hard to do often the things that are most important because there's too many urgent things going on, right? And the writer of Hebrews says, don't forget that you need other people on this journey with you. It makes, makes me wonder, you know, who are the people that are on that journey with you? Um, do you have a few people that you meet with regularly that part of the, what y'all talk about is, here's what God's doing in my life. I know for myself, I can look back and, and at my life, I can see the places and the times that I've grown the most were because I had other people on the journey with me. I had a small group or some kind of a discipleship group 
Um, I had um, some buddies I met with for coffee once a week to just talk about how is life going, uh, how am I growing with Christ. And then I can look at the times when I was most stagnant in my relationship with Christ. And most of the time, that was because I didn't have a community around me. And I had great excuses. I was in transition. I had a new baby in the house. I was starting a new job or a new role in ministry. We have great excuses. But the truth remains that if we don't have people around us on this journey, we're not going to stay on the journey very long. We're not going to grow on the journey very far. John Wesley said it this way. He said, holy solitaries is a phrase no more consistent with the gospel than holy adulterers. The gospel of Christ knows of no religion but social, no holiness but social holiness. You know, John Wesley seems to be saying that if it's just me and Jesus, that's actually not happening. That to say I'm a disciple all by myself is a contradiction. We can't be disciples all by ourselves. We need others to grow. Um, I don't just want you to hear it from me, though. Um, I know in my life this has been very true, and I know in many of your lives and people that I've talked to, this has been true. Uh, I want you to hear it from someone else, though. There's a member of our church named Margaret Zachary. She's been here a couple years, um, and recently she's really jumped into some of those kind of communities that help her grow. Um, so I asked her to share a little bit about uh, what that's been like. And she writes this. I didn't grow up in a church, but my mom did her best to teach me about God by attributing all the good things in our lives to him. I've always known God, but my relationship with him was surface level at best. I wanted to grow spiritually, but I didn't know how to go about doing so. When I found Bethany, someone encouraged me to take Alpha, a 12-week course designed for anybody at any place in his or her walk with God. Participants listened to a talk and are then encouraged to ask questions of any nature without judgment in a small group setting. There's that community, right? Alpha deepened my relationship with Christ in ways I never imagined. For the first time, I felt that my heart was truly open to receiving grace, and I learned how to really engage in conversation with God. I also learned that that conversation goes both ways. I began to really listen to God, even when I didn't agree with him. I also formed tremendous bonds with people that I might never have encountered otherwise. Many of us have continued together in a grow group, and through that we have consistently encouraged each other, supported each other, and grown together as disciples of Christ. I know for Margaret and for so many others that I know, being in a community, having people around you where you're on the journey with them, is a critical part of becoming spiritually alive, starting to experience that transformation. So the question I have for you is, where are you in your own personal discipleship, and what is God calling you to do? Maybe for some of you, you've been on this journey a while, and, and this is just a good reminder that you need to stay on it. You're like, all right, this is good. I need, I need, to, I need to continue pressing into this, like Paul writes. Maybe for some of you, maybe you identify with Mar what Margaret said. Maybe you grew up in church. You've been going to church your whole life. You knew God was there, but the relationship was surface level at best. And I would just ask you, do, do you want more? Are you willing to come and to involve a few other people so that maybe you can have more than just a surface level relationship? You know, at Bethany, we, 
we really try to provide ways for people to grow. Um, right now, I'd ask you to, to look in your bulletin. You'll find a piece of paper like this. Someone's probably like, man, the one day I didn't get a bulletin. So I actually want you to pull this paper out and look at it. It says, uh, explore discipleship at the top. Wherever you are, there is community you can grow with. Over in the fellowship hall right now, we have an event going on called Explore Discipleship. The whole purpose of that event is we want to connect everybody in our church with a community they can grow with. It's the fall. It's the beginning of a new season. Many of our lives kick into gear after summer uh, is ending. And so uh, this is a perfect time to start doing this if you haven't or to grow in something else if you're feeling the need to go deeper. And so we've, I've tried to organize these into categories to make it easy for you. So when you go to the Fellowship Hall, in addition to free Rudy's breakfast tacos, free Rudy's breakfast tacos, you'll, you'll also find uh, three big tents with signs above them. Uh, one of those tents will say, start here. If you don't know where to start, go to the start here tent. And so start here. They'll have people from Alpha Uh, What Margaret just uh, shared about, they can tell you about Alpha. Um, And I'll I'll tell you this, Alpha has their starting dinner tonight at 5 o'clock in the gathering area. Even if you don't want to do Alpha, come get free dinner. Yeah. And and then if you want to do Alpha, you can keep doing that for a few more Sunday nights. Or if you can't make it tonight, you can join us next week on Sunday evening. Um, There's also adult Sunday school. We have a lot of adult Sunday school classes. We have one, we try to have some for for every different stage of life and place of life, and then ones that just involve a whole lot of people at a whole lot of places of life. Um, So if you only have Sunday morning open, do Sunday school. Then you'll find a tent that says, people like me. We want you to know that people like you, but even more than that, we want you to know that there are people like you here at Bethany. Um, so these are the kind of the, the groups that if you want to go find someone that's like you and grow with people like you, go to this tent. Uh, if you are in elementary school, and go and figure out what you can do with children's ministries. Or if you have a kid, go bring them. If you're in middle school or high school, go over there and meet some people in youth ministry. Uh, they do awesome stuff there. They have a lot of fun and they, they get to know Jesus. Uh, if you are a young adult, and by young adult I mean uh, probably done with education or close to it, but up through like the mid-30s, and are not yet at the family stage of life. We have groups just for young adults that are in that place because it can be hard to, to, to find a place to belong. So the Bridge Young Adult Ministry, they're starting two new small groups this week, and you can be a part of it. If you're a young adult or if you know a young adult, invite them to come and check into that. Uh, we have women's ministry, or we have like women's groups and mom's groups, we have men's groups, it might be something you, you feel like you need. And then we have, if you turn around the back, we have a Grow Deeper section. This is for all of you that have been here for a while. You've been doing stuff, and you feel like you need something just a little bit more. So I'll I'll invite you to go there to look into a grow group. How can you try out a grow group or join one? Look into Spirit Walk. We have these classes that we do every fall and every spring, and they're really just designed to help someone grow in a particular area of the Christian life. So if you wanted to grow in Wesleyan theology, we actually have a class that that Pastor Tom and Kyle Rudd are teaching Sunday nights on Wesleyan theology. If you have always felt like a marriage class would be really good for my spouse and I, not because we have the biggest issues in the world, but just because we want to care for our marriage. We have a marriage class, a marriage enrichment class. We have a class on how to, how to start a prayer life, a class on how to be a good neighbor, a class on how to understand what your spiritual gifts are and what God's called you to do with your life. Um, and more. There's more than that also. So go and look at some of those. If you maybe just have a little bit of time, 
go grow in that particular area for a semester. And then we have uh, listening prayer groups. These groups meet on Wednesday morning. Another one meets Wednesday evening. They meet for about an hour to ask God questions and help each other hear God's voice. If anyone's ever wanted to hear God's voice better than they do, just, you don't have to sign up. You just, you just show up. You can come any week. You can just come one week. Go to a listening prayer group. But there's people over there that you can talk to. Um, and then the Emmaus community. If you want an immersion experience with the Holy Spirit, if you want an immersion experience of growing in God, go on a walk to Emmaus. And there's someone over there that can talk to you about that. So we have a, a lot of things. You know, our goal is not that everyone would do everything. Please don't try to do everything. There's too much there. You'll just become a busy Christian person and probably not really grow. But we want everyone to be engaged in somewhere where they're growing as a disciple in community. So that's the invitation this morning. Will we be a church that takes discipleship seriously, that really wants to know Jesus, that really wants to become like Jesus in this life so he can come in and transform us? And will we do that with each other? Will you pray with me right now? God, we, we know that you know our hearts. We're thankful that you love us right where we are. But you also love us too much to let us stay here. And so you move us. You transform us. You want to come into our lives and make us more like Jesus. God, I pray that you would show each of us how we can respond to your word this morning. Is there something you're calling us to do is there a group you're calling us to join or look into? Are there relationships that you're calling us to be more intentional with? We need your Holy Spirit to come into our lives and to continue us on this journey. And we ask God that you would help us to press on. Come and fill us up and be with us. Amen.